0: Good morning. Can everybody hear me? Fantastic. I got a thumbs up in the back. Perfect. Uh, this is the one Sunday of month where the elders choose an average Joe to preach so that we can all be reminded how good Sean is and not complain so much. So <laughs> if, you're, if you're here with us this morning visiting, welcome to Monte Vista. We welcome you. We thank you for being here. Um, this is probably the weirdest introduction This is the first time I've been in front of you, and the last, next Friday, Mackenzie and I are moving to Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, where my family lives, so I just want to say thank you for the opportunity to have worshipped with you for the past year. Um, Having a toddler, moving through a pandemic, uh, has all been very challenging, and we've found nothing but love and support from you all here, so we appreciate that. Uh, In moving to Chattanooga, my family is there, my father is there, and he is a mostly retired uh, civil rights attorney. And he's the kind of dad who's very proper. He's the one you probably find mowing the yard in khakis and a polo. And he doesn't, uh, he didn't talk much about his work growing up. And when I got to college at Tennessee Tech University, I had a, a strange assignment to see what kind of professional information you could find about your parents or your family online. And so for the first time in my life, I jumped online, I went to his firm's website, I read his bio, and in his bio, I happened to notice one particular thing. Uh, and that was that he was licensed or registered or however you wanna call it, I'm not an attorney, to argue cases in front of the United States Supreme Court. And I figured that's probably something that all attorneys get when they become licensed. But nonetheless, I was like, I'm gonna go home, I'm gonna ask him. So over dinner one evening, I said, you know, I had this assignment, Dad. I noticed you're licensed to argue in front of the United States Supreme Court. Uh, is that something that every attorney has, or is that some sort of special certification that you possess? And he said, no, not every attorney gets that. And in his true fashion, you stopped right there. I said, well, you want to explain more? Like, did you have a, a case that went to the United States Supreme Court that I, I don't know about? And he said, well, we did have a case that was appealed to the United States Supreme Court. But they chose not to hear that case, and for those of you 30 and under, like myself, who had a bad civics education, uh, the United States Supreme Court uh, does not hear every case that is appealed to them. They often will only hear cases that, <clears throat> excuse me, will modify or impact current United States law, or make some sort of valuable attempt at their time. Okay. So this particular case, they chose not to hear. Now, in that vein, uh, I want to talk this morning for a few minutes, and trust me, it'll only be a few minutes, about God as our judge. We can evaluate God in many different roles, our creator, our provider, our sustainer of life, but this morning, I want to look at God as our judge. And... In point number one, I want to evaluate the fact that God as our judge has chosen to hear our case. God as our judge has chosen to hear our case, and if we evaluate from that from a broad perspective all the way down to a narrow perspective, we can think about how God, before the foundation of the world, had a plan for humanity, to hear their case. He chose a people. And he preserved a line of hope. And we can move into the New Testament. We can see in in chapters like Ephesians 2, where God chose to hear the case of all mankind through even the Gentiles. And when we narrow that down even further, we can be comforted that God has chosen to hear our individual case. And we see that through countless examples in Scripture. Uh, Think about Moses and how many times he went before God and God heard his case. We can think about the prayers of Hannah and her pleading with God and that he heard her case. Um, Or Nehemiah, when he learned that Jerusalem had been destroyed, and was in shambles, and he mourned and he wept and he pleaded before God to go back and rebuild the city and he heard his case. Or Hezekiah. How he turned his face to the wall in his sickness and he pled that God would extend his life and God heard his case. Or even the great King David in Psalms chapter 18 and verse 6, David writes, In my distress I called upon the Lord. To my God I cried for help. From his temple he heard my voice and my cry to him reached his ears. So if you're here this morning... And you have any doubt that God is willing to hear your case, just know this. We serve a God who knows you by name. He knows you intimately. He created you. And He loves you with a love that cannot be separated. So it doesn't matter if you are a liar, a criminal, an addict. It doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor or you're smart or if you went home and this evening you died in your sleep and nobody even noticed that you left this earth. God is a judge that will hear your case. And how is he going to do that? Through Jesus Christ, his son. So with that in mind, if we have a God who is going to be our judge, who will hear our case, we must face the fact that we are all going to stand before this judge one day. And when we stand before a judge... In our current legal system, we often think in two respects that we're going to enter one of two pleas, right? Okay, you may be plead guilty or you plead innocent. So let's think about it in that light for a second. When you stand before God, our judge, I want you to answer in your minds, will you plead guilty or will you plead innocent? Get your answer. Okay, everybody's got it. What I would present to you this morning... Maybe you're sitting there thinking, <clears throat> well, I plead guilty. Romans 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But I would argue you cannot stand before an all just, almighty God and plead guilty. 1 John chapter 1 says, God is light and in him is no darkness. Our God cannot dwell in the presence of sin or a guilty person. Think about the cleansing of the high priest and everything they had to go through just to enter the most holy place, to be before God. And we serve a God, we serve a judge, who doesn't just stand for justice, but is the embodiment of justice. He is just. Psalm 97 in verse 2 says, righteousness and justice are the foundation of His throne. We can't stand before God and plead guilty. So how many of you are thinking, Oh, I said innocent, so I got this, okay? Wait a second. If you stand before God and you plead innocent, you have sinned. There's nothing you can do of your own right to take away that sin. Ephesians chapter two also states that we can't take away our own sin. It's not anything of works that we could do lest we could boast. So how do we plead innocent before God and we're not capable of taking away our own sin? So, I would suggest to you this morning that there is a third option, and that we serve a God who is all just and who is all merciful. And in order for those two things to exist together, we must stand before God and plead the blood of Jesus Christ. We must plead the blood of Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 10 reads. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Reiterated by Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20, that we have peace through his blood. Ephesians 1 and verse 7 says that we have redemption through his blood. And 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7 says that the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin." It is only by pleading the blood of Jesus Christ that we can hear the verdict from our judge, well done, good and faithful servant. So if you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, how do I access this blood? How do I enter this plea where I can plead the blood of Jesus Christ? and The reality of it is, is that if you believe that Jesus Christ did die for your sins, and his blood can cleanse you, and that you are willing to take on his name, and that you are willing to leave your life of sin because his sacrifice was so great and his blood is so powerful, and you're willing to access that blood of Christ through baptism, then you too can stand before our judge knowing that you will plead the blood of Jesus Christ and hear that well done good and faithful servant. You know, growing up with my dad, uh, he, he didn't share a whole lot. I already told you that. Um, and we had a moment one time in college where I think every son has these moments with their dad where it, to them it's it's this unique experience of quality time, and their father probably doesn't even remember it happened. And I was driving home from from college and my Nissan Pathfinder broke down on the side of the road outside of a tiny little Tennessee town called Spencer. I mean, if any of you know where that is, I'll be really impressed, okay? So <clears throat> I was really happy that I could even get service to call my dad and let him know that I had, had broken down. And so he drove about an hour from his house <clears throat> and he said, he, you know, he got everything lined up. We were sitting there on the side of the road and he said, you know, not far from here, I actually had a case once where uh, a police officer was stopping an individual. <clears throat> the individual decided to get out of their car and run from the police officer. And the female police officer began chasing the, uh, chasing the man on foot. And he said, just up the, up the road there, uh, the chase, I guess he grew weary, the man turned around he overpowered the female officer and he began uh, beating the female officer with his fists in the, in the ha- head and in the body to the point where she was about to become unconscious. And the police officer was carrying both a taser and, uh, I'm probably not using that term, right, uh, and a, a firearm. And she pulled her firearm and she shot the individual on top of her, killing him. And the family of the individual who was killed sued the police officer. And so that's where my dad gets to step in. And he goes to court and he represents the police officer as one of his clients. And they happened to win, so to speak, that first case. And the the family appealed to the appellate judge. And the appellate judge uh, threw the case out. And this is years ago. And just talking to my dad the other night, that case is going to go to the state Supreme Court in Tennessee in just a few months. Maybe they'll throw it out. I don't know. But the point of that whole story is there is a real-life person, a woman, who has gone through years of maybe agony or questioning as to what's going to happen to her. And our legal system today relies on individuals, judges, who have... interpretation of the law, that there is a human aspect to that. And so the last point I, I want to make to you this morning is that when we evaluate God as our judge, we can know that we have a judge who has laid down standards that are irrefutable, that he as our judge is perfect. And there is no room for variability. There is no room for human error. There is no room for interpretation, and there is no waiting, and there is no uncertainty. If you're here this morning and and you decide to access the blood of Jesus Christ and make that your plea one day, you can know that you will be judged by a perfect God, and you can be certain that salvation waits for you in the next life. So if you're here this morning, the elders are here, Sean is here, I'm gonna be right down front If you want to access the blood of Jesus Christ, if you want to confess Him as your Savior, if you want to be baptized and put Him on and access that blood, please come down while we stand and while we sing.